Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 19th of August 2022, from the news section, Blind man who attacked two young girls in Glasgow sentenced by Connor Gordon. A blind man who attacked two young girls has been sentenced. Paul Nicol, 45, assaulted a pair at his former home in Glasgow's Cardonald between January 2019 and February 2020. Court papers state the first girl was seven years old when she was repeatedly struck in the body. The second girl was nine years old when she was struck in the body. Matters came to light after the girls reported Nicol, now of Falkirk, Stellingshire, to their head teacher. The police were subsequently contacted and Nicol was quizzed. Nicol appeared with a guide dog and wore protective glasses in the dock to be sentenced. He pleaded guilty last month to the two charges of assaulting the girls to their injury at Glasgow Sheriff Court. The hearing was told Nicol has a degenerative condition and has not always been blind. Gary Devaney, defending, stated at a previous hearing that Nicol is dealing with a drink problem. Nicol was put under supervision for 18 months by Sheriff Simone Sweeney. And that report was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 19th of August 2022, from the news section. I'm going to smash up this place. Loud threatened to shoot Glasgow Travelodge staff. By Connor Gordon, court reporter. A loud threatened to shoot hotel staff and assault police officers. Paul King, 51, hurled abuse at a travel lodge in Glasgow's Govan on February the 17th last year. The city sheriff court heard King entered the hotel in an agitated state. Employee Lauren Riley asked if King was okay and she was told, I'm not alright. Prosecutor Jeremy O'Neill said, Miss Riley attempted to engage with King who swung his crutch above his head and shouted, I'm going to smash up this place. Miss Riley tried to calm him down, but was told to go away. Miss Riley and colleague Linda Walker later attended his room to check up on him. King told him, I've got a gun and I'm going to shoot you. The pair backed away from King and dialed 999. Officers attended and King refused to engage with them. He stated, I'm going to stick the nut on you. King was restrained and arrested as he continued to make identical threats. King pleaded guilty today to behaving in a threatening or abusive manner. Donna Maitland, defending, told the court that King would not be able to stick the nut on anyone due to his intoxication. The lawyer added that King is currently tagged for another matter for 15 weeks and is unable to do unpaid work. Sheriff Tom Ward stated that his hands were tied due to his tag and Dr King to be of good behaviour for four months. And that report was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 19th of August 2022, from the news section, 
North Glasgow Litter Picking Hub to launch this weekend in Springburn. Report by Esther Tarnay. Our North Glasgow group will launch a litter picking hub this weekend. The initiative will run into Springburn Community Hub and will be open four days a week. From next week, residents are encouraged to stop by at any time and use the equipment stored there to clean up the area in their free time. The centre will be run by Springburn Youth Forum, SYF, in hopes to inspire locals to get involved in upkeeping the area and discourage littering. Organisers are also in discussion with local schools to use the facility. Emma Porter, chairperson of SYF, said, We have 25 sets of equipment, litter picking gloves, high-vis vests, litter pickers, bin bags. They are completely free and available for anyone in the community to come and get them. A celebratory litter picking event will be held on Saturday from 12pm, with food being served afterwards. The 17-year-old added, We are really excited. The idea is to help clean up Springburn. We do have issues around litter, I think every community does. We are hoping this will be a big community effort to get everybody involved. We currently have a litter pick the third Saturday every month and we have just expanded that programme. And that report was by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 19th of August 2022, from the news section, Police searching for missing children discover £623,000 worth of cannabis hidden in sacks of horse feet. By Grant McCabe, three men are behind bars after £623,000 worth of cannabis was smuggled into Scotland hidden in sacks of horse feet. Gary Campbell, 37, Kieran Sinclair, 25, and Stephen Jones, 55, were snared after police stumbled across the illegal operation while searching for missing children. Officers uncovered the drugs that were stored in a porta cabin and vans at a rural site in Plains, Lanarkshire. A judge heard today how the huge 164kg cannabis haul had been brought from Spain stashed within consignments of hay and horse feet. They were delivered to an address linked to the stables where Campbell was a director. The trio pleaded guilty at the High Court in Glasgow to being concerned in the supply of cannabis between October 16th and 22nd, 2019. They are due to be sentenced next month. Prosecutor Liam Ewing QC told how police have been hunting for children who had gone AWOL from a nearby residential school around 4.45pm on October 22nd, 2019. They then stopped Sinclair and Jones at Wasteground in Arbuckle Road Plains. Both claimed to be doing drainage work at the time. A Vauxhall Vivaro van appeared but, on seeing police, the driver jumped out and raced off into the woods. Mr Yang said, Sinclair and Jones ran off in the same direction and made good their escape. Police checked the van and immediately suspected cannabis was stored inside. As they delved further into the remote area, officers discovered a, a part Ford Transit along with a porta cabin and two metal containers. Sinclair was found to be the owner of this vehicle, with Jones belonging to, belonging to the Vivaro. A large-scale hunt involving a police helicopter and a dog unit, was sparked to catch the men. Mr Ewing, the Vivaro was searched and police found five sacks of animal feed, within which were hidden 22 grams of cannabis. Police found 11 sacks of feed in the transit hidden within was 52 kilograms of the drug. The porta cabin was locked and entry was forced. 
Inside was 18 sacks of animal feed, within which there were 90 kilograms of cannabis. DNA further linked both Sinclair of Lanark and Jones of Glasgow's Partick to the vans, as well as to rubber gloves and a JCB digger at the site. Mr Ewing said, It was apparent that the cannabis had been delivered to the site, hidden in consignments of animal feed, which had then been discarded. Delivery had been made in the name of a Gary Mackey from a company based in Malaga, Spain. This was to an address in Arbuckle Road, near to where the drugs were found. Mr Ewing said, Subsequent inquiries revealed that the deliveries of hay from Spain had been ordered on behalf of a company in which Campbell was a director. Payments had been made from his bank account to cover the cost of delivery. Campbell, of Coatbridge, was arrested in November 2019, with Sinclair and Jones not held until the summer of 2021. Campbell and Sinclair had been on bail before the hearing today. Jones was already behind bars for another offence. But Judge Lord Young remanded all three pending sentencing, and that report was by Grant McCabe. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 19th of August 2022, news, arrest made after three homes raided for drugs, report by Lauren Brownlee, three homes were raided by cops in Paisley, officers armed with search warrants searched the properties on Wednesday. Three people were arrested for, for allegedly being concerned in the sale of supply of Class A drugs. The two men and one woman will appear in court at a later date. A post from Renfrewshire and Inverclyde Police Division said, On Wednesday, August 17, officers from the Violence Reduction Unit and Community Policing Team executed several search warrants at, at addresses throughout the Paisley area. Two males and a female were arrested in connection with the sale and supply of Class A drugs and will appear at Paisley Sheriff Court at a later date. If you are concerned about drug dealing in your area, contact 101 or Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 Hashtag keeping people safe. Hashtag Crime Stoppers. And that report was by Lauren Brownlee. This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 19th August 2022, from the Lifestyle section. Glasgow Club Donald Dewar and Crown Point to reopen after two years, by Sarah Campbell. Glasgow Life has confirmed that two of its popular sports centres will reopen next month after two years of closure. Both the Glasgow Club Donald Dewar in Drumchapel and Crown Point in the city's East End were shut in March 2020 as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Glasgow Life has now revealed that the clubs will reopen as of Monday, September 5th, offering full health and fitness facilities in addition to the outdoor pitches which are already open. A range of classes will be on offer at both venues and can be booked up to seven days before the reopening date in September. Alan Milner, Glasgow's Life's Head of Sport, said, We are delighted to confirm the reopening of these well-loved and much-used sporting facilities in Glasgow. As a charity, Glasgow Life's mission is to inspire every citizen and visitor to become engaged and active in a city globally renowned for culture and sport. 
By reopening these venues, we are increasing opportunities for people in Glasgow to increase their mental and physical well-being by engaging in sport and physical activity and spending time with and meeting others in a local community facility. That article was by Sarah Campbell. This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 19th August 2022, from the Opinion section. You won't achieve independence by calling no voters traitors. By Adam Miller. I've spent the last 10 years making jokes about two particular Glaswegian football clubs. When one team is the subject, it's held up as proof of my anti-Celtic pro-Rangers agenda. When the other side is on the end of it, my anti-Rangers pro-Celtic bias is apparently showing. Since it's impossible to be both a Celtic and Rangers fan, no matter what an M. Johnson of Florida might insist, at least one of these allegations is completely false. This extends to the entirety of Scottish sports media. Every newspaper supposedly has a blatant anti-your-team outlook, when in reality an industry in crisis is full of young digital sports journals just trying to do the best they can under relentless pressure and make it through the day without pissing anyone off. There's nothing wrong with believing certain sources to be guilty of bias, but when that consumes your every moment, it's time to start asking yourself some serious questions. A similar mix of rage and paranoia exists when it comes to Scottish political journalism. Just as in football, Scottish politics stories from outlets that haven't explicitly stated a preference in the independence debate are routinely held up as proof that the establishment is against their side. Comments under an article about an accusation directed towards First Minister Nicola Sturgeon will be full of unionists who believe the outlet has displayed their pro-independence bias by going easy on her in the piece and nationalists who insist the outlet have demonstrated their pro-union attitude by running the story in the first place. Nowhere does this routine play out with as much bitterness and regularity as BBC Scotland or British Biased Corporation more like, as the uncle you shun at family gatherings hilariously calls it. Depending on who you ask, our national broadcaster is either a bastion of lefty Sturgeon fans or a hotbed of rabid anti-Sturgeon propaganda. On Tuesday, BBC News Scotland editor James Cook received abuse outside the Conservative hustings in Perth. Footage shows Cook attempting to respond to questions from a ind Scottish independence campaigner while cries of scumbag rat and you're a traitor are directed at him by another. Cook deals with the situation calmly and politely, but the footage is as embarrassing as it is infuriating. These are grown adults. Harassment of journalists is something we've seen from Brexiteers and anti-vaxxers. 
You can't stoop to the level of those groups and expect to be taken seriously. Sturgeon condemned their behaviour, saying, Hurling abuse at journalists is never acceptable. Their job is vital to our democracy and it is to report and scrutinise, not support, any viewpoint. James Cook is a journalist of the highest quality and a total pro. The behaviour he was subjected to last night was disgraceful. The damage was done, though. Fools, like the one who confronted Cook, do precisely nothing to further their cause and play into the hands of unionists who wish to characterise the entire Yes movement as an unhinged, angry mob. In 2014's referendum, 44.7% voted for independence. We are the 45% became a rallying cry among Yes voters, but an independent Scotland won't be achieved without some of the 55.3% being convinced. People who could swing from no to yes aren't going to be persuaded by a side calling them gnawbags or traitors. Angry bampots will drive potential allies away from the yes movement. Scotland will vote no again and they'll blame the dreaded MSM instead of taking any responsibility for their own part in the campaign's failure. Of course, I would say that as a fan of, open brackets, insert football team slash politician, close brackets. Breaking Bad prequel ended on a high note. Speaking of upsetting footage released on Tuesday, that was the day on which the final episode of Better Call Saul aired. Over its 61 episode run, the show balanced dark humour with brilliantly intricate plotting and moments of real tension while maintaining a distinctive tone that set it apart from the cultural phenomenon that was Breaking Bad. Sticking the landing when it comes to long-running TV shows is a tall order. You want your audience to leave the show feeling satisfied, knowing that an unfulfilling ending will leave a sour taste in the mouth and colour their opinion of the entire show. At the same time, you run the risk of tanking the show's legacy if you just sacrifice plausible character development and put together a focus-grouped bit of fan service. Thankfully, the Breaking Bad prequel ended on a high note, wrapping up the story in a way that felt true to the main characters, while earning rapturous reviews from fans and critics alike. Although the show has reached its climax, the debate as to whether Better Call Saul or its predecessor is the better show continues to rage. BT sport pundit and former Manchester United defender Rio Ferdinand put it best back in 2018 when discussing football superstars Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. In a sentiment easily applied to the two Netflix dramas, Ferdinand said, they're just phenomenal to watch. People try and make comparisons of who's better, etc. Just enjoy a man 
we're lucky to be in this time. That article was by Adam Miller. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 22nd of August. Bin men to drive school buses for three weeks. An article written by Stuart Patterson. Drivers are being diverted from recycling bin collections to drive school buses after children were left with no transport at the start of term. The Glasgow Times reported how school bus services were cancelled in North Lanarkshire after Strathclyde Partnership for Transport was unable to provide buses when a number of contracted firms dropped out. A number of routes were left with no buses on Wednesday when schools returned. The organisation said that reasons given included driver availability and pressures related to inflation, such as the rise in the cost of fuel. Taxi services for pupils with additional support needs have also been cut back, with several contractors withdrawing due to a lack of drivers. North Lanarkshire Council has now said it will use some of its appropriately trained drivers, but that means suspending some bin collections. The council has a legal responsibility to provide school transport to those children who are eligible. The council said in an update, while work has been carried out to reduce the number of school bus routes affected, many remain unserviced. The council has a legal duty to transport children who are eligible to school. To assist SPT, who have sourced some additional buses but have been unable to engage drivers, some of our appropriately trained and qualified drivers will be required to drive buses for school transport. While we'll seek to engage replacement drivers as quickly as possible, this means that we've taken the difficult decision to suspend collection of blue paper and card bins for the next three weeks, until Monday, September the 12th. The council apologised and asked residents not to present their blue bins for collection during that time. Instead, they're asked to either dispose of paper and card in the general waste bin or, if possible, take it to a recycling centre. An article written by Stuart Patterson. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 22nd of August. Drunk was turfed out of a store by other shoppers. An article written by Katrina Stewart. A man had to be removed from a convenience store by other customers after abusing the shop manager. Gary Miller was refused service from the Scott Mid store on Hall Hill Road in Shettleston after he tried to buy alcohol. The manager refused to serve him due to his intoxicated state. She recognised him as being barred from the shop due to previous incidents, so reminded of this and asked him to leave. Mr Miller became aggressive, shouting and swearing at staff and the manager. The manager again asked him to leave and threatened to call the police. Mr Miller from Bridgeton then said, Go ahead, but I'll be back and I'll make your life a misery. Other shoppers helped to remove the 37-year-old from the store, but he stood in the doorway and shouted more abuse before leaving of his own accord. Police found him later that day at his brother's address and he was cautioned and charged Glasgow Sheriff Court was told last week. The incident happened around 8pm on August 25th last year. Mr Miller's defence brief said he has a record of convictions, but they were of a different nature to the one before the court. The lawyer said he was intoxicated at the time with little recollection of the offence. The complainer is an acquaintance of his family and there's an attempt in the Criminal Justice Social Work report to mitigate the offence but he added that Mr Miller now knows his actions were unacceptable. 
The court heard that drug and alcohol addictions led to Mr Miller coming to the attention of the court from a young age. He has a cocaine addiction, the court heard, but he sought help for it, including from his church. Sheriff Simone Sweeney placed him on a structured deferred sentence and ordered him to appear at court again in four months. Mr Miller said, With God's help, I will conquer this terrible affliction. An article written by Katrina Stewart. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 22nd of August. Exercise classes to help disabled people. An article written by Morgan Carmichael. A Glasgow woman has set up free strength and conditioning classes for people with disabilities after a wheelchair user who said they wished they could run lit a fire in her. Tanya Carmona's free programme, Get Fit on the Green, has been set up in the city's East End. The 35-year-old qualified personal trainer kicked the health and fitness sessions off this month and hopes those with disabilities and impairments get involved. Tanya, who's from the city centre, told the Glasgow Times, I was inspired to start the sessions after seeing the need to create these spaces for everyone, able or disabled. Once I had a chat with a person in a wheelchair while I was running in the city. He said, I wish I could run. I started crying while continuing my run. This lit a fire in me. That chat was a couple of years ago, but when I'm doing my trail races, climbing mountains or running for days, and when I think of giving up, this person comes to my mind every time. The programme's objective is to promote health and fitness for everyone, regardless of their abilities or disabilities, and to create a fun and inclusive environment where people can enjoy the outdoors whilst making friendships and connections. Tanya added, I hope to bring joy, health and fitness to disabled communities that may not have the accessibility to afford a special centre where they can keep up their fitness and keep active. The sessions run on Tuesdays and Thursdays every week inside Glasgow Green's Free Wheel North between 6pm and 6.30pm and 6.30pm to 7pm. During these sessions, attendees are led through a workout which may include heavy slam balls, battle ropes, kettlebells and performing exercise like squats and shoulder presses. Tanya said those taking part can expect to be a bit sore the next day, but to have gained some confidence and strength. She added, the reception has been overwhelming. I've had great responses from the public and different organisations who are actually looking to bring their communities to participate. It's been received with great acceptance from disability groups, charities and mental health groups. Sandra Fraser, who is 42, was buzzing after her very first class. Sandra's sister, Carol Fraser, who's 41, from Deniston, said the first night after doing the session she was absolutely buzzing and so chatty after her class. She felt a bit achy but seemed to enjoy her achievements and the classes. She trusts Tanya, who is really helpful. The family's excited she's doing these sessions. There's not a lot of opportunity out there for Sandra to connect with people, so I'm super grateful for these. Tanya plans to keep these sessions going for three months and is in the process of applying for funding to keep them running. Tanya added, I would love to see this programme growing, educating and inspiring. An article written by Morgan Carmichael. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 22nd of August. Students to spread awareness of cancer. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. 
A Glasgow student has become an ambassador for a testicular cancer charity in a bid to encourage men to check themselves for signs of the disease. Ethan Maguire, who's studying economics at Glasgow University, is combining his studies with a new role as a university ambassador for the Oddballs Foundation. The 19-year-old from Aberdeen will be helping the organisation to raise awareness of the signs of testicular cancer, which mostly affects men aged 15 to 49. In his role, Ethan will visit schools, universities and workplaces to deliver talks and remind boys and men to check their testicles, removing stigma and embarrassment about doing so. The ambassadors will also place the Oddballs Foundation's Check Yourself Guides in public spaces and workplaces. Speaking about his role, Ethan said, I wanted to get involved with the Oddballs Foundation after seeing the positive work the previous ambassador was doing in the area to raise awareness about testicular cancer. My main priority with this role is to get into as many schools as possible. Importantly, I want to make an effort to visit schools that the Foundation has not yet held talks at and educate as many people as possible about the dangers of the disease and the importance of checking for the signs. The Oddballs Foundation was founded in 2015 and is closely associated with the colourful underwear brand Oddballs. Someone is diagnosed with testicular cancer every hour in the UK, but if detected early, it's curable in more than 90% of cases. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 22nd of August. New building is opening its doors to the public. An article written by Katrina Stewart. University bosses are launching a new campus community space with a two-week free festival designed to make visitors say, wow. Glasgow University's newly opened Advanced Research Centre, or ARC, will play host next month to the Arcadia Festival of Ideas. Visitors can enjoy brass bands, a retro video game arcade, comedy and drag shows, an outdoor Cayley, art exhibits a virtual reality celebration of Robert Burns and much more. Jane Cowie from the Annex Healthy Living Centre said, Having something where the university is welcoming the community is absolutely massive. The combination of the community, university and research is wow. Arcadia, running from September 16th to September 30th, aims to establish the ARC as a significant contributor to everyday life in Glasgow's West End. The ground floor of the ARC, which will later this year include a cafe and restaurant, is open to the general public. It'll play host to more than 65 free, all-ages events during the festival, hosted by students and staff from Glasgow University and community partners. Those events include tours of the ARC during the Glasgow Doors Open weekend on September 17th and 18th, and a family-focused programme the weekend after. Local brass band Brass Eye will perform in the ARC's outdoor space on September the 18th. The ARC will host events every evening, including movie screenings, comedy shows and live music for an adult audience. On the opening night, the atrium will be transformed into a cinema for a screening of 90s classic Mars Attacks, followed by a discussion with scientists working on Mars research. Local community groups will contribute to the festival, including children's storytelling sessions curated by the Children's Wood, hands-on stalls from Partick Community Growing Project and the Annex Healthy Living Centre. 
music collective Henhus will curate an evening of music for the closing night. The ARC will also platform voices from communities underserved or underrepresented in universities, with events involving the Maryhill Integration Network, local charities and the Africa in Motion Film Festival. There'll also be events led by LGBTQ+, and Gypsy, Traveller, Roma, Showman and Bota communities. The £116 million ARC building, which sits on the site of the former Western Infirmary, is home to a multidisciplinary group of researchers tackling a whole range of global issues, from climate change to healthcare. A wide range of research will be on show during the festival, such as the university's response to the pandemic, including a specially commissioned theatre piece and exhibition. An article written by Katrina Stewart. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 22nd of August. Shop bosses kick up a stink over raw sewage nightmare. An exclusive front page article written by Amanda Keenan. A burst pipe has created a 50 metre pool of raw sewage at the back of a busy Glasgow store, sparking a flood of health and safety fears. Staff at Maslow's Community Shop and Govan's Shore Road say that they've been plagued for over a year by a putrid stench caused by the water which is polluted by human waste and claim the unbearable conditions are now causing them to lose custom. They believe a long-standing leak from a pipe in the basement of a vacant property nearby is responsible for the foul build-up and are fearful that their own well-being is now being put at risk. Maslow's director, Carol Gilchrist, says her pleas to have the hazard tackled have fallen on deaf ears. She told the Glasgow Times, We're at our wits' end with this. Someone needs to take responsibility and get it sorted. The odour is now completely overwhelming and we're having to rely on air fresheners and essential oils to try and mask the smell. But nothing really works. It's absolutely disgusting. The area at the back of our building has become a total no-go zone. As far as I'm concerned, this has become a serious health issue. We've been left with a pool of excrement that stretches for around 50 metres and it's over a foot deep. It's making our staff feel sick as the smell hits you as soon as you enter our shop and we're now seeing a decline in our footfall. People come through our front door and want to leave straight away. I don't blame them, to be honest, because it's stomach-turning. The conditions have become unbearable to work in and we need the owner of the abandoned building to clean up their act. Despite raising the issue with environmental health, Scottish water, city property and the housing associations in the area, Carroll claims no one is willing to step forward and take responsibility. In a last gasp bid to force a clean-up, Maslow's directors have taken the decision to halt their rent payments. The community interest shop offers free clothing and household goods to asylum seekers and people in the local community who are experiencing hardship. Carol explained, We operate with dignity and respect for individuals who don't have much. They're coming into the shop to collect clothes and the first thing that they're met with is this awful smell. We've complained on several occasions and we've had visits from environmental health inspectors, but nothing has changed. It's very frustrating because we just want to get on with our vital community work instead of having to spend our time fighting to have this mess drained and cleaned. We decided in June to stop paying rent because we're disgusted by what we're having to deal with every day. It's a diabolical situation and if this doesn't get sorted we will have to look at moving premises. We're no longer willing to tolerate this. 
A spokesperson for Scottish Water said, I can confirm that we previously attended the address to carry out checks and there were no issues with Scottish Water infrastructure in the area. This would appear to be a private issue. Carol said one of her colleagues tried to reach the empty building to see for himself where the burst sewage is emptying from. She added, We used pallets and doubled them up to try to build a walkway to get across to see where the mess was spewing out from. It was so bad we had to give up and no one has gone out there since. Until the origin of the waste is dealt with, this problem is only going to get worse. The owners simply cannot leave a burst sewage pipe spewing human waste into this space. The entire street stinks and, frankly, the fact that it's been allowed to become this bad is an utter disgrace. This has gone on long enough and needs to be fixed before someone ends up ill as a result. Harvey's property owned the building Maslow's operates from. In a statement, a spokesperson said, We only own the shop unit at 70 Shore Street and not all of the properties within the building. The issue is not within our property, which has been confirmed by Environmental Health. As soon as we were aware of the situation in May, we sent our own contractors to investigate the issue before it was passed on to Environmental Health. Our tenant was advised they could have a break in the lease, but chose not to take this option and have chosen to continue to operate in the premises. We always try to help our tenants where possible and as quickly as possible. We want these issues to be resolved quickly for our tenant. Unfortunately, our hands are tied. Glasgow City Council said the building is not its responsibility and that the issue lies with City Property Glasgow and the local housing association for the area. A spokesperson for City Properties Glasgow LLP said the various properties on Shore Street comprise of a mixture of privately owned shops and housing flats. City Property owns one small ground floor vacant shop in the property. A local housing association is the majority owner. We're aware of drainage issues in the property located under the tenement and are liaising with the relevant housing association to resolve this. Due to health and safety reasons, contractors have been so far unable to enter the property to confirm the source of the sewage leak. However, the Housing Association has organised a full inspection of the area to be carried out as soon as possible. When the source is identified, we'll work with them to resolve this issue as quickly as possible. We asked City Property Glasgow which housing association it's liaising with, but received no response at the time of publishing. An exclusive front-page article written by Amanda Keenan. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 22nd of August. Households could be paid to keep washing machine off in peak hours. An article written by Lois McKenzie. Households with smart meters could be paid for turning off high-energy appliances such as washing machines during peak times. This could help reduce the risk of blackouts during the winter. The National Grid Electricity System Operator, or ESO, is understood to be preparing to announce plans to reward consumers for easing the strain on the power grid. Customers could see rebates of up to £6 per kilowatt hour for minimising the use of certain goods such as tumble dryers, dishwashers and games consoles during the peak hours of 5pm to 8pm. The Sunday Times, which first reported the plans, said the grid will apply to the Ofgem regulator for approval, with hopes the scheme will open by late October. A National Grid ESO spokesman said, We're developing a new service that will be available for consumers to benefit from across this winter, and we'll be announcing further information soon. 
These plans follow a trial by Octopus Energy from earlier this year, when as little as 20 pence was paid for every kilowatt hour saved. A range of prices have since been considered, including up to £6. Currently at £1,971 for the average household, the energy price cap is forecast to rise to £3,500 in October, before going as high as £4,200 in January. Experts at the Auxilion Consultancy have warned that energy prices could spike at as much as £6,000 per year for the average household from next April. The change to the cap for October and December will be announced by Ofgem on Friday, August 26th. Chancellor Nadim Sahawi last week suggested that rolling blackouts are unlikely as preparations were underway for the winter, as Russia's invasion of Ukraine strains supplies. An article written by Lewis Mackenzie. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 22nd of August. Hundreds object to divisive plans. An article written by Drew Sandilands. A divisive new plan to build homes at a Southside bowling club has received 285 objections from the community. Residents in Mount Florida are urging the council to reject NOAA Development's latest proposal, which would see 32 flats and a community hub in the current pavilion. However, the number of objections has dropped from more than 600 when a previous plan, which included 40 homes, was submitted. Meanwhile, 131 letters of support have been sent to the council. NOAA's latest scheme follows the original proposal, which was rejected in 2020 and then refused on appeal to the Scottish Government. Since that application, the developers have bought the Kamanak Road land from the bowling club. The firm has said the new application will include landscaped open space and the proposed community facilities could be gifted at no cost to a local group. However, Mount Florida Community Trust promised to object to the plans and it hopes to retain the whole space for future generations. The Trust, which does not own the land, previously had a proposal to retain the clubhouse and the southern bowling green and install a tennis court and fitness area approved by the council. In a submission to the council, Councillor Stephen Doherty, Labour, said The south side of Glasgow has had many housing developments over the last ten years, all overdeveloped with not adequate green space, he said. This trend needs to be stopped and reversed. The environment we live in needs trees, shrubs, hedging and grass for our health and well-being and to mitigate climate change. Alan Munro, a former community trust director who opposed the initial plan, has submitted a letter of support for the new application. This is a major change to the original position, he said. I objected the first time, but after consideration have now changed as the residents and children still do not have access to this land. I was involved in the original objection, but we have to move on in order to obtain access. Leaving the site to become more and more derelict for an unlimited period, if planning is halted again, actually doesn't help the community at all. However, the Community Trust submission stated the applicant has not demonstrated the need or demand for housing on the site, raised concerns over the loss of open space and argued the developer's open space proposals are deficient. The bowling club was closed in October 2019 due to falling club membership and dwindling participation and NOAA took over the site in February this year. Glasgow's planning committee will decide whether to approve the plans at a future meeting. An article written by Drew Sandilands. Glasgow Times News 
on Monday the 22nd of August. Teen Girl's Life Saved by a German Stranger. An exclusive article written by Kirsty Führig. A teenager had her life saved by a stranger from Germany who offered her a bone marrow transplant. Grace McLaughlin was just 17 years old when she was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer, acute lymphoblastic leukaemia, turning her world upside down. She desperately needed a stem cell transplant, but her family from Motherwell were only half matches. Grace turned to the Anthony Nolan Register for help, which tracked down a 20-year-old woman in Germany who was a perfect match. She underwent the procedure in April this year at Glasgow's Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, which was a major success, resulting in Grace getting the all-clear from cancer last week. She told the Glasgow Times, If I could talk to the woman who gave me the transplant, I would tell her that I genuinely can't believe she saved my life. It's insane that she was found, and crazy that we happen to be the perfect match. The transplant has given me the chance to get my life back. I'm really thankful. I got a call from my doctor last Wednesday out of the blue, telling me that my bone marrow biopsy had come back all clear. There was no cancer detected. It was so good telling my mum and dad. I cried and just couldn't believe it. Grace had been studying for her higher exams when she noticed a golf ball-sized lump appear on her jaw. She was then given the heartbreaking diagnosis last July after a biopsy at University Hospital Monklands discovered her acute lymphoblastic leukaemia. The condition affects white blood cells with around 790 people diagnosed with the illness each year in the UK. Grace was treated with chemotherapy at the Beetson West of Scotland Cancer Centre, but doctors realised it wasn't working fast enough. She was given the transplant, which replaced her stem cells with healthy ones, giving her a chance to recover. However, she still continued to need chemotherapy, which tragically turned her hands and feet numb, leaving her unable to walk. Now, since she stopped treatment, she's been able to regain her mobility and only relies on her wheelchair for long walks. She's also growing her long hair back after losing it to treatment, which was very traumatic for Grace. The schoolgirl had cherished her locks so much that she'd never had a haircut in her life, so was gutted to lose it all at once. Grace said, Chemo was very tough. Now that I'm completely away from it, I can walk about a bit better. I can stand up without holding on to anything. I loved my hair so much, so I was really upset to lose it all. My mum had to brush it out for me in hospital. Now I kind of love not having hair. It's just so much easier. Since getting the all clear from cancer, Grace is excited for her future and is planning to go to university to study history or maths. She's urging others to sign up to the Anthony Nolan Register to save lives like hers. An exclusive article written by Kirsty Fierick. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 22nd of August. Warning over frightening energy costs. An article written by Stuart Patterson. People will either starve or freeze this winter as the cost of energy and food rockets, according to a leading advice charity. Choosing between heating and eating is a real choice facing more people as Citizens Advice Scotland finds people asking for help on both issues. A study for the charity found that one in ten people who asked for support on gas and electric bills also sought advice about accessing food. People seeking advice on energy bills has more than doubled this year compared with last year. 
The period of the report covers April to June this year, after the energy cap was raised and bills started to rise. With further big increases planned, the situation is likely to get worse. Derek Mitchell, Citizens Advice Scotland chief executive, said more than one in every ten people seeking help with an energy issue also requires help with food insecurity. Let's be absolutely clear what that means. Some people face the prospect of freezing or starving this winter. This crisis is affecting everyone, but some people are especially at risk. Our data shows higher demand for advice from council tenants, those out of work and those unable to work. That, to me, suggests broad support alone will not be enough. There needs to be targeted help for the vulnerable. The number of people asking for advice on prepayment metres for gas and electric has almost doubled in the three months this spring, up by 92%. Citizens Advice Scotland said, If you've run out of gas or electricity, your energy suppliers should give you temporary credit if you can't top up, for example, because you can't afford it or you're having problems topping up. The analysis identified trends in people seeking specific types of advice together, highlighting the link between fears over heating and eating costs. For example, it discovered 12% of cases of people looking for utility advice also saw the client receive advice about food banks. Mr Mitchell added, We're seeing these issues before a toxic cocktail this winter of soaring energy bills, growing inflation and higher interest rates. People are hanging on by their fingertips, and it's the summer. How are they expected to cope when the temperature drops and bills rise? Citizens Advice Scotland urged governments to act urgently. Mr Mitchell said, What we're seeing is frankly frightening. We don't judge, we just help. That help, though, needs to be backed up by policymakers delivering the kind of urgent and significant policy interventions to help people. Make no mistake, this is a challenge on the scale of the 2008 financial crisis or the 2020 pandemic and will require solutions to match that. An article written by Stuart Patterson. Evening Times, August 22. Opinion. Glasgow's foster carers deserve better, says John Molino. In this summer which has seen many inspiring shows of industrial unity, we should also come together to fight for a group of workers, Glasgow's 800 foster carers, who do one of the most selfless, most important jobs in our city, and who have not had any increase to their basic allowances in more than 10 years. Even before the current crisis took hold, That was a 24% real terms cut. Now, with double-digit inflation, that means they are being expected to look after some of the most vulnerable young people in the city, with a third less than they did a decade ago. That is unacceptable. My Green colleagues and I stand in solidarity with everyone standing up for workers this hot strike summer and hope they secure improved pay offers. But for many foster carers, and kinship carers too, there is nothing. No offer on the table, and not even any recognised process for them to negotiate one. They are completely at the mercy of a health and social care bureaucracy, which is creaking under intense strain, and which has either forgotten about them, or taken them for granted. 
In the past few years, a group of Glasgow foster carers have started to organise through the IWGB trade union. They are fighting for their rights and making their voices heard. Green councillors are right behind them, bringing their cause into the council chambers. In the council budget earlier this year, we asked the integration joint board, which has decision-making authority for social care spending in the city, to put around £2 million towards an immediate 10% uplift and to restore inflation-linked increases going forward. The board considered this, but said it could not afford to, instead voting to end the freeze only for the lowest paid carers and offering no increase at all for children over 10 years old. That's not enough. Since then, we have secured a commitment to hold a summit meeting so carers and their union representatives can be heard. Planning for that is underway, and I hope it leads to the rights and dignity of these vital workers being given far greater priority. But it needs to happen soon. With inflation soaring, apparently out of control, while the UK government sits on its hands, we do have the power here in Glasgow to change this. The Fostering Standards Report published last year highlighted that low remuneration for foster carers has costs for children growing up in low-paid households. Foster children have a higher likelihood of living in poverty than children not living in foster care. Growing up in a low-income household affects a child's life chances, leading to poorer health, deeper mental and educational outcomes. Rather than striking, the consequence of inaction by social work bosses is that fed-up, hard-up foster carers will walk away from the profession instead. If that happens, the council will have to rely increasingly on expensive private fostering agencies, which will end up costing more than if we just paid our own foster carers the inflationary increase they deserve. Our in-house fostering service offers the gold standard for care. It's time we valued the workers and social care professionals who make it that way, says John Molino. Evening Times, August 22. Lifestyle. City of Science. Women of Glasgow at the Climate Table. Report by Caitlin McInnes of the Glasgow Science Centre. The climate crisis is not gender neutral. Women are more likely to live in poverty than men, have less access to basic human rights, and are more likely to experience systemic violence. The instability that comes with the climate crisis will amplify these issues. For example, the agricultural sector is the largest employer for women of low-income backgrounds. During extreme weather, 
The burden of work increases and puts pressure on girls to drop out of school to support the family. It is crucial that women, particularly women of colour, are represented in the decision-making around the climate crisis and have access to education on the topic. In 2020, 13 women across Glasgow took part in a climate leadership course led by climate justice advocate Zarina Ahmed, which covered a range of climate topics based on the individual's interests and experiences. The women, who were all from different backgrounds, were encouraged to develop the ideas they had formed during this course, highlighting the aspects of climate change that they cared most about into creative ways to have their voices heard. The group, now known as the Climate Sisters, was supported by the University of Glasgow and Glasgow Science Centre to create an exhibition that was presented at the Whiteinge Centre during COP26 in Glasgow. The exhibits range from jewellery and sculptures made from recycled materials to music videos, podcasts and even an escape room game. I spoke with a few of the Climate Sisters about their exhibits and their interest and concerns on climate change. Marie Dina shares the importance of Scotland's peatlands through a video she created, imagining aliens visiting Earth in 2121 to harvest plants after humans have gone extinct. Peat, an accumulation of decayed organic material, absorbs and stores carbon dioxide from the environment. Peatlands cover 20% of Scotland's land, providing an important habitat and freshwater filtration. The Scottish Government commitment to tackle climate change includes a major investment in the restoration of peatlands. Marie said, We need a systemic change. People cannot possibly do everything on their own. We need to be better informed, be more active about putting pressure on. Like 75% of Glaswegians, Menesia Kista lives in a flat and does not have access to a garden. Menesia focuses on growing food to take charge of her own food security and to improve her mental health during lockdown. Through the Climate Sisters, she met Heather Dundas and together they created a portable pallet garden which allows users to grow anywhere. Talking about the project, Menesia said, It's the freedom that you have to decide what you want to put in your garden. We can teach children about gardening and self-sustainability. It also allows people to be in control of their own food supply rather than relying on shops or systems like food banks in times of need. Singer and songwriter Amanda Bogle chose to release a music video, This World is on Fire, addressing her main climate change passion about waste reduction. 
She said, in the Western world, in this country, we are not seeing the effects of climate change just yet, and we very much have a throwaway culture. The UK ships its recycling waste to other countries to process, mainly Malaysia. However, many countries that buy and recycle waste are pushing back. She hopes her song acts as a call to action to wake up and see this before it's too late. There is an equal need for a societal shift towards respecting nature and systemic change from our governments and major corporations. This idea is the basis of an escape game built by Monica Cadwe. She believes in the importance of role models and starting conversations around the climate crisis. Monica said, I think gradually in families everything will start to change, but it is my responsibility to expose my kids to these things, show them the options that they can use. Thinking about the impact of the climate sisters, group leader Zarina said, we don't have to tell the whole world, even a small group who learns from each other can connect and spread the word. Perhaps lines from climate sister Kabat Malarashid's poem, Through My Flowers, written in both English and Arabic, sums it best. Where do you stand? This is our choice. We can plant the seed. You can learn more about the climate sisters by visiting the Glasgow Science Centre website or by viewing the exhibit, which can be found on the ground floor of the Centre's Science Street. Report by Caitlin McInnes of the Glasgow Science Centre. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 24th of August 2022, from the news section, Dog Charity on Brink of Closure After Bombarded with Lockdown Puppies. This article is an exclusive by Kirsty Fienick. A Glasgow manager is terrified she will have to close a life-saving dog charity. Kerry Ann Shaw fears for the future of Old Bully Charity Rescue as they have been bombarded with pandemic puppies. The 36-year-old claims that there is not enough money or resources to care for the pets, who she claims have been abandoned by owners who bought them in lockdown. It means the charity, which is bull breed specific but can also take other large breeds, is now on the brink of closure, risking the lives of the dogs currently in its care. We cannot accept, currently cannot accept any more dogs and are desperately trying to fundraise to save the charity. Kerry told the Glasgow Times, Over the last few years, Bilby's needing rescue has become a pandemic. Many puppies bought during lockdown had not had training or socialising, so we are now seeing more and more dogs come to us with issues of threats of euthanasia. These dogs need particular homes with experienced owners and no kids or pets. With the cost of living crisis, it can be extremely hard to find these homes, leaving us with dogs in kennels for extended periods. We can't sustain the current situation and have had to close our doors for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. We are focusing on fundraising and rehoming the more difficult dogs who have been waiting a while. It's absolutely heartbreaking as we are asked to help dogs due to being euthanised multiple times a day. The act of animal euthanasia can be used when there is a lack of resources to continue supporting the pet. 
Kerry runs the charity from her home in Glasgow, but they look after dogs across the UK but don't have their own kennels. It costs the charity £8 per day for each dog to be placed in a kennel, meaning they need around £4,000 a month to cover their bills. They are struggling to come up with the cash for the 40 dogs in their care and are begging for suitable homes to come forward and foster them. The SSPCA saw a seismic increase in public demand for puppies over lockdown. Unfortunately, this led to bad breeders taking advantage of the situation and putting profit over the welfare of breeding dogs and puppies they were selling. In many instances, puppies have been taken away from their mothers too early or were riddled with infectious diseases caught due to a lack of vaccinations or the unsanitary conditions they were raised in. Sadly, this led to many puppies passing away in their new homes or new owners having to pay for expensive veterinary treatment. Calls to the SSPCA to give up unwanted animals also more than doubled after a boost in adoptions at the start of the pandemic. They revealed the number of calls to their helpline increased by 134% between September the 1st 2020 and January the 5th 2021. Chief Superintendent Mike Flynn said, It's heartbreaking to see a healthy animal which loves their family given up because the owners have lost interest or not considered how their circumstances may change. We would urge people to consider a reputable behaviourist or training before they give up their pet. You can donate to the All Bully Charity Rescue online. And that article was an exclusive by Kirsty Ferrick. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 24th of August 2022. From the news section, Police discover 500 street Valium tablets during Sandy Hills Raid in Glasgow. By Esther Tarnay. Police officers conducted a drug raid at the city's Sandy Hills today. Cops attended a property in Strowing Street in the area around 8.50am this morning. They found 500 tablets of suspected street Valium at the address. A Police Scotland spokesperson has confirmed that an investigation has been launched. A fourth spokesperson said officers conducted a drugs warrant at a property in Strowing Street, Glasgow, at around 8.50am on Wednesday, August 24th, 2022. Around 500 tablets of suspected street Valium were seized. Inquiries are ongoing. Glasgow North East Police Twitter post read, Community team executed a misuse of drugs warrant at Strowing Street today. A quantity of suspected street Valium was seized. We work in partnership to support people with addiction, but we robustly police drug dealers causing harm in our community. Hashtag harm reduction. And that article is by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 24th of August 2022, from the news section, PSV Ultras get Rangers payback as fanatics set off fireworks in dead of night outside Team Hotel. Article by Aidan Smith. PSV Ultras set off a number of fireworks outside the Rangers Team Hotel in the dead of night ahead of tonight's huge Champions League playoff clash. The tie is in the balance at 2-2 and the Dutch supporters are looking for every edge possible to get their team over the line. A supporter group lit off fireworks outside the hotel where Giovanni van Bronckhurst and his players are staying in a bid to wake them up from their sleep. It comes as Rangers fans did similar last week with PSV staying at the Crown Plaza Hotel. Meanwhile, Connor Goldson has called on Rangers to stick together against PSV Eindhoven 
in the absence of Alfredo Morelos. Colombia striker Morelos was omitted from the Jair squad by Giovanni Van Bronckhurst for Wednesday's second leg of the Champions League playoff due to fitness levels and other concerns, including attitude. The 26-year-old, who missed out on last season's finale due to a thigh injury, was sent off 13 minutes after coming on as substitute in the 2-0 draw with Hibernian at Easter Road on Saturday. Now Broncos has made this decision, Rangers will have to cope without Morelos at the Phillips Stadium, where the match will start with the teams tied at 2-2. Defender Golson said, I just think a fit and firing Alfredo is one of our most important players, and obviously until he gets back to that, I don't think he's helping us as much as he can do. He has had a massive injury, probably the first big injury that he's had in his career, and it's taken some time to come back from that. So we need him to be as fit and ready as much as possible because he's one of the best players in this team. He obviously done something stupid on Saturday. He did let us down, but at the same time we are a team, we are a group, and we have to be together because the only times we have won things is when we've all stuck together and done everything together. So going into tomorrow, this squad has to be more united than ever because we know it is going to be a massive game. And that article was by Eden Smith. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 24th of August 2022, from the news section, tributes after Glasgow mountain bike rider Rab Wardle tragically dies at the age of 37 by Esther Turney. Glasgow mountain biker and coach Rab Wardle has died. Scottish cycling confirmed on Tuesday evening that he died in his sleep aged 37. Two days earlier, he won the elite men's title at Kirigatree Forest, overcoming several punctures to win in the final lap. He appeared on BBC Scotland's The Nine programme on Monday evening to talk about his victory, but died later that night. Scottish Cycling said, We are devastated to confirm the news that international mountain biker and former employee Rab Wardle has passed away today. We have very little information at this stage, but we send our love and support to his family, friends and all those in our community who knew him. Organisations and individuals have paid tribute to the biker, who was loved by by many. In a statement, British Cycling said, Everybody at British Cycling is deeply saddened to learn of the death of Rab Wardle. Rab was a brilliant rider, friend and ambassador for our sport, and will be sorely missed by so many. Our thoughts are with his family and many friends at this incredibly difficult time. Track cyclist Katie Archibald shared, I think you've heard that Rab died yesterday morning. I still don't understand what's happening. If this is real, why he'd be taken now so healthy and happy. He went into cardiac arrest while we were lying in bed. I tried and tried and the paramedics arrived within minutes but his heart stopped and they couldn't bring him back. Mine stopped with it. I love him so much and need him here with me. I need him here so badly but he's gone. I can't describe the pain. Thank you to those making tributes. I can't bear to talk about him in the past tense to say anything myself. You mean everything to me, Rab. I love you. Fans were shocked and upset by the news as they paid farewell to the sportsman. One person said, Really nice guy. This is a sad loss. Condolences to all who knew him. Another added, R.I.P. Rab Wardle. Many great cycling achievements, condolences to his family and loved ones. A third shared, 
very sad news, thoughts with his family and friends. Rab Wardle was born in the Fairmont and lived in Glasgow. During his career as a professional cyclist, he represented Scotland in the Commonwealth Games, won the Scottish Championship and set the fastest known time for mountain biking the iconic West Highland Way in 2020. And that article was by Esther Tarnay. Evening Times, August 24. Opinion. Susan Aiken says, We will take practical action to combat growing crisis. Another week and more grim milestones, as this crisis of soaring costs and plummeting living standards continues to unfold before us. Yesterday it emerged that inflation is set to hit almost 19% in the coming months, a 50-year high. Described by one major bank as entering the stratosphere, that's nine times the target set by the Bank of England. By Friday, Ofgem is expected to have confirmed that the energy price cap will rise in October from £1,971 to £3,500, while one major supermarket chain has said shoppers are already facing a monthly hit of £160 on their disposable incomes. At the time of writing, Scotland's First Minister is set to chair a summit of energy companies, consumer groups and the third sector about what can be done to lessen the impact of these off-the-scale price hikes. While struggling households are the obvious focus, businesses and public bodies are also being squeezed by energy costs like never before, and there may well be severe consequences for the economy and services in the near future, which we also need to prepare for. I only hope with the powers, resources and partnerships we have here in Scotland that those taking part in this summit find common cause and are able to put practical measures in place to head off some of the dire consequences of this crisis. Here in Glasgow, the Council is working with partners in the third and housing sectors to put in place a city-wide plan to use our network of assets, from libraries to community centres to school canteens, to make welcoming places available to those in need during the winter months. We should be clear, warm banks, as they have been called, are not a solution. They are a sticking plaster at best. But in the absence of concerted action to help people afford to heat, and feed themselves in their own homes. We have no choice but to support people during this emergency as best we can. It is, of course, the UK government who could act tomorrow to alleviate hardship for tens of millions of people. They have the borrowing and regulatory powers and the influence over the energy producers and retailers to make the interventions that are needed right now. Meanwhile, as only 160,000 or so Tory party members prepare to install the next Prime Minister, the rest of us are left asking, 
Just who exactly is in charge here? The entire Tory government has been posted missing in action. They have left the UK drifting perilously closer to a calamity. Writing in a recent Glasgow Times column, I said the scale of the intervention needed by the UK government to deal with the cost of living crisis was on a par with that demanded by the pandemic. Many others have said similar. The response from the UK government to this escalating crisis is not just inadequate, it is practically non-existent. I genuinely fear that while Liz Truss, who we can say with some certainty will be the next PM, continues to peddle Thatcherite nostalgia, the consequences for Glaswegians of her inaction may not be dissimilar to that experienced in the early 1980s. A breakdown of social cohesion with severe and lasting consequences for the health and well-being of the city. We in the SNP make no secret of our view that, piled on top of 12 years of austerity and then Brexit, this crisis adds an urgency to the people of Scotland being given an alternative to misrule and contempt from Westminster. We also do not shirk the big decisions here in Scotland to improve the lives of our citizens. From the Scottish Child Payment to pushing for an enhanced pay offer for local government workers, we will use the resources we have to improve the lives of our citizens, especially the most vulnerable. But right now, those with the powers to prevent a calamity must do so and that is the Westminster government. The consequences of their failure to do so are too grave to consider, says Susan Aiken. Evening Times Sport, August 24. Judy Murray urges volunteers to sign up for UCI World Cycling Championships in Glasgow. Report by James Kearney. Judy Murray hopes that next year's UCI World Cycling Championships, to be held primarily in Glasgow, can be a transformative moment for Scots and encourage a new generation to get on their bike and keep fit. The tennis coach has been a long-time advocate when it comes to supporting sport and exercise at a grassroots level and hopes that next year's cycling competition the inaugural edition of the tournament that features 11 events can provide a similar legacy to that of the 2014 Commonwealth Games. Organisers are on the lookout for as many as 4,000 volunteers to take part in the championships next summer, where thousands of athletes from over 100 countries are expected to be involved. Murray hailed the impact that volunteers already have on sport at a grassroots level in Scotland and insisted that those who give up their free time to help facilitate large-scale events are also their very lifeblood. Murray pointed out, This is a massive shop window. There are 8,000 cyclists taking part. This event is bigger than the Commonwealth Games 
There are 120 countries represented. I think it will be fabulous. Chris Hoy did wonders for raising the profile of cycling. And the thing that we are launching today is all about volunteers. We all know that Scottish sport, at a grassroots level, has relied forever on a volunteer workforce. So having a great big global showcase event like this for something like cycling is such a great story and such a great opportunity for people to get involved in whatever way they want to so they can be a part of something like this. You create a massive network of volunteers. There are volunteers in every sports club in the country, whether they are cyclists or not, who will get a huge buzz out of being a part of something like this. You create friendship networks as well. Scottish sport relies on volunteers, and I think the volunteer workforce is what will make this event fly. Of the huge global events I've been to over the years, several Olympics, Davis Cups, World Student Games, the volunteer workforce is critical. They are worth their weight in gold. There are obvious physical health benefits for those who decide to get in the saddle and cycle on a regular basis, as well as advantages to mental well-being and the environment. The real legacy of competitions like the UCI World Cycling Championships, she adds, is in creating a more active public, especially for those who struggle to motivate themselves to keep fit. She said, I have done quite a lot of work with Nuffield Health to promote the benefits of exercise to more people, and some people see it as a step too far. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm out of shape. I'm too old, they say. My point is always to start with something you can do, and you start small. Because if the goal appears to be too big or too far away, it is too easy to go, I can't do that. You can go for 30 seconds and then stop if you need to, then go again. The whole stop-start thing is good. It doesn't have to be that it is painful or sweaty or about muscles or buying expensive equipment. It is about finding something that you can do that you think you will enjoy doing. And if you can, finding someone to do it with. I think that's a big part of getting off your backside and getting involved. The big thing for me is giving every child the opportunity to learn how to ride a bike in school. Every child should learn how to swim. It's a life skill. And so is riding a bike. When I was young, I went everywhere on my bike, especially now with fuel prices going through the roof and everything around being more environmentally aware. I think something like this is going to bring cycling even more into its own. Sean Batty, the STV weatherman, and an ambassador for next year's championships, believes that by hosting the tournament, Glasgow is adding to an already blossoming reputation as a city that can put on some of the world's greatest spectacles. He said, having an event like this, this is just another sporting event that's coming to Scotland and it's going to be a great thing for the country and the city. 
the legacy of that will hopefully be getting more people on their bike and cycling. Glasgow and Scotland has become such an epicentre for so many things, not just sporting events. We had the climate conference. We are potentially going to get Eurovision. We have become this big magnet for all these big events. I would encourage everyone to apply today for what will be a truly memorable event. While I can't guarantee perfect cycling weather conditions, I can assure everyone that Scotland will be ready to put on a show that the whole country will be proud of. Judy Murray and Sean Batty were speaking on behalf of the 2023 UCI Cycling World Championships as they launched the call for volunteers to support the championships. Report by James Kearney. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening. <laughs>